0: Hi, this is PJ. I'm on episode number three. Uh, I'm from Nurses at Work and today I
1: have Miss Lisa Hall. She's going to introduce herself and we'll find out what Ms. Lisa Hall does. Hi, thanks for having me PJ. My name is Lisa Hall. I'm a registered nurse and infection preventionist as well as a vascular access nurse. I've been nursing for about 32 years with a focus on oncology and vascular access really enjoy these jobs and in many ways they're interrelated in terms of infection prevention. Okay.
0: And so Lisa, tell me pretty much what's on the floor, what's one of your, I know you have some pet peeves girl, so tell me when it comes to uh, infection control, what is one of your biggest pet peeves on the floor and trying to really let nurses know what they should be doing and you still see that they're not able to follow uh, the rules or protocols when it
1: comes to PPE. I think probably one of the biggest issue, um, not specific or uh, exclusive to this hospital that I'm currently working at, but uh, um, across the country, is hand hygiene. Yes. Um, Yes. yes. Many hospitals and facilities um, often fall below a 70, 70 percentile. Many of which, arguably, the doctors will uh, have suggested that if you're in, in the 70 percentile, you're doing, uh, doing well. Right. Um, I have a tendency to disagree. I think that there's a lot of room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of education, uh, particularly in this hospital, that's geared towards... Um, hand hygiene. We discussed many of the nursing huddle topics. Right. Uh, we offered a, a lot of educational platforms to teach, mm-hmm. including skills fair, right. um, including um, and we're coming up on Infection Control Week here in October, uh, okay. where we try to make activities fun but really try to drive home a clear message of uh, infection prevention. And one of my Favorite uh, posters that uh, that I use quite often in my lectures is uh, a set of hands uh, with a with a statement surrounding those hands saying infection prevention. It's all in your hands. <laughs> right. like this statement couldn't be more true. Um, <laughs> right. So we, there's a lot of education, but uh, a lot of it has to be uh, a vested interest and right. buy-in exactly. from staff with an understanding not only that. Uh, that we're protecting the patient, but we're protecting our environment and one another as co-workers exactly. Exactly. Um, by reducing the bio-burden on, on your hands, right. uh, believe it or not, goes a long way.
0: That's true. That's true. And you know, I noticed too, not just the nurses, but you know who I really see that have it bad? Doctors. Absolutely. They do not wash you know i'm not going to say all of them but i do see quite a few and there's a few too many where they do not wash their hands and sometimes uh you know there's some nurses you know they'd probably be scared to you know say hey doc you know please you know either wash your hands or gown up or whatever have you but i never had that problem because i know that if i see a doctor i will always you know say hey doc you know the you know the is right there, or, you know, just give them some sort of a cue where they need to make sure that they wash their hands.
1: Absolutely, BJ, and that is something that is is promoted. But I think you hit the nail on the head. There is an old culture of nurses that believes that you don't question or challenge Right, exactly, uh, exactly. exactly. Um, and it's still practiced a lot today, that same belief yes. system. Yes, but we're moving. We're moving in, in a direction where um, I call them the noceums, pathogens. You right. cannot see. Um, and with healthcare being so fast paced, yes. um, it's so easy to miss opportunities. Right. Um, but we challenge each other here to really be infection preventionists in our own right, and really foster stewardship in the area of hand hygiene and PPE. Um, right. We talk a lot about um, being being. Fostering uh, team spirit and right. fostering stewardship in terms of infection prevention; those, you know, quick demonstrations exactly. of holding your hand exactly. up or asking someone, "Hey, can I tie that up for exactly. you?" Exactly to hold the PPE on in place uh, and not getting in the field, not feeling a certain right. way, but <clears throat> recognizing that we all need to participate in these prevention activities and reduce the number of missed opportunities uh, with yep. doctors. We talked about the old school uh, versions of nursing, not challenging physicians, but as new nurses come, come along, they need to be encouraged exactly um, and advised that we are to steward uh, each other, irregardless or irrespective of the discipline that we're, uh, that we're addressing, <clears throat> be it physicians, nurses, uh, right. rehabilitation staff, respiratory therapists, that we continue to carry this message across so that we can keep our patients our facility and each other safe of pathogens particularly in light of the emergence of these very novel and extreme pathogens um, that are occurring in our world today right
0: now i know that is interesting um, with c diff Uh, there you know a long time ago you know we pretty much uh with some nurses on the floor um, when it comes to washing hands um, and using the hand sanitizers versus soap and water. Can you please, (laughs) once again, educate our staff how important it is and let them know that using a hand sanitizer is not really going to get rid of those pathogens, you know, for death. that they well, have to wash their, they, question? they yes. have to wash their hands. It's
1: just so important. It, it is very important. And I just want to um, just very quickly uh, describe um, how these products and uh, the washing of the hands uh, and the decision to make, uh, that you make towards a specific product may or may not help you. Uh, the way we're emerging nowadays is that it is recommended, uh, particularly here in California, by the California Department of Public Health. I've done some recent work with them, uh, with the HAI liaison here in California, and it is recommended by them that you do use a hand sanitizer when you're caring for C. difficile patient. If water soap and water is not readily available within that room, at, in an area close to your exit, that you would go ahead and utilize a hand sanitizer right. uh, and then move directly towards a sink basin with, that provides uh, soap and water. right? The reason for this and the rationale is that they give that it, it is better to, uh, to have someone at least using a hand sanitizer than not providing any type of hand uh, washing technique right. at all. Right with the intent and idea of moving towards a wash basin and washing your hands for 15 seconds or longer with soap and water. The reason for this and the reason that hand sanitizers are less effective, I'm gonna leave it with that, than soap and water is that the hand sanitizer might reduce the bio-burden of microbes that live on the hand, but it has absolutely no effect on uh, the the spores that may may be um, housed on your hands and therefore it renders that product um, less effective than soap and water right. which be, you know with the use of, of good friction uh, and the surfactant in the soap and a good stream of running water over a sustained period of time really removes the excess debris. And Whereas how, a hand sanitizer has is right. incapable of removing a spore should it be on your hands. And
0: how long does those spores live on the surface area?
1: Oh girl, they'll be here to the (laughs) end of the earth. Uh, (laughs) As we know about spores, uh, they have an impressive ability to live on surfaces for a, a long extended periods of time, uh, they they are heat resistant, weather resistant, cold resistant. Um, they're very difficult to eradicate. Uh, that is why it's uh, it is acceptable practice to utilize a uh, the, a hypochlorite a, a bleach product right. to remove the spores uh, associated with C. C. Difficile. The bacteria themselves, you know, it can be eradicated um, in in with using. Very various products, but it's really the spores that require specific attention and specific product. Right.
0: Now, you know, it's interesting because, you know, as we were growing up and we get sick, um, it's like, you know, antibiotics for everything. You know, when you get the flu and and all of this stuff, and I'm going to say past 20 years, you know, when you get sick, it's like, oh, you better go to the doctor and get that, you know, get on antibiotics. And would you say that... The past, I'm saying the most recent years, you have seen an increase of uh, patients with C. diff. And do you think that due to the fact over the years where we were taking antibiotics for just about everything, where we didn't really need to? Because it's supposed to, really when we take antibiotics, if you have a bacterial infection, but if you have the flu, yes, you know that's not you know. But I'm just saying, and the, the thinking then, that was the case. It was like we were taking antibiotics up the yin yang. And I think once again, education really needs to be done as far as when you have a flu. If you don't have any infection, as far as bacterial infection, mm-hmm. that antibiotics is not going to help for flu virus.
1: No, and it and it is very important that we leave uh, the the decision and the. Uh, the diagnostics to the physician, uh, but it is really important that you do seek medical attention. I think some key factors uh, with determining, is this the flu? versus, I mean, is this a virus versus bacteria? Uh, I think that a good starting point is to uh, determine, first of all, the type of sign and symptom that you're having. And with focus on signs and symptoms, there needs to be present signs and symptoms. Right, right. And if possible, a culture report that would show some type of bacterial pathogen that is growing in your system. But your doctors can often deduce whether or not it's a flu, uh, a, a virus versus a uh, bacterial infection uh, based on a, a quick assessment of your signs and symptoms. That along with what is emerging and trending um, in your current region and um, or and/or facility would be equally as important. But the emergence, uh, t- uh, speaking directly to your question about C. difficile. There is uh, definitely a relationship between um, overutilization, as we are learning um, these days, uh, overutilization of antibiotics, uh, which is destroying the micro- right. microbiota in the guts, mm-hmm. uh, in our guts, uh, our gastrointestinal systems, uh, which are leaving us open to allow the bad bacteria to flourish. In addition to that, there are specific types of antibiotic classes such as your um, fluoroquinolones uh, that are sort of um, pretty uh, relatable to in terms of the type of infection you might be exposed to such as C. difficile. but. More importantly, the overutilization of of, of antibiotics is mm-hmm. leading to uh, to a an area of multi drug resistant exactly. organisms exactly. that are now having the impressive ability to mutate into what mm-hmm. we're now determining XDROs or extreme drug resistance mm-hmm. uh, patterns for which we're having um, we're finding that we have no. No available treatments to treat patients so in this day and age, yeah, uh, so because fair. of the because of these uh, gene mutations and the ability to express uh, via DNA plasmids mm-hmm. a sharing across mm-hmm. genus and species. Right. So, in other words, you're you're you take a a, a bacterial cell that has a beta lactam or possibly a um, carbapenem resistance, which mm-hmm. are the worst of the worst in these gram-negative bacteria, and are able to express uh, their resistant patterns from the cell, uh, cell cell-mediated, across to another complete genus and species. So you could be talking about the sharing of an Enterobacter species, uh, crossing over and sharing um, their resistant pattern, let's say, to uh, just randomly a Pseudomonas, and saying here, here's my coat of armor. Uh, via the DNA plasmid exchange, and now you have the same resistance patterns, which then ultimately resent, uh, renders a very limited amount of, of antibiotic, uh, antibiotic therapy that we will be able to treat a patient with. Right. Uh, and these are very scary times. It is. It's very scary. Um, I know one of my pet peeves
0: is PPE, is seeing a nurse that do not know how to put it on correctly or take it off correctly
1: yes
0: and even though i know that you know um, some hospitals or most hospitals should be making sure that that's part of their orientation competency and that sort of thing um but i i just want you to also stress the importance of wearing PPE appropriately and taking it off.
1: It is, and it's all in, you know, knowledge is power. Um, any fruitful mm-hmm. or very uh, effective infection um, uh, prevention program, and, and then even some of them that are just uh, outstanding uh, have impressed upon this principle, um, I refer to it ad, ad nauseum, yep. <laughs> there is a difference between um, a teaching uh, teaching, uh Preference or a behavioral preference. Exactly, it's either taking one path or the other. You can you can go ahead and educate um, at at length on a topic, um, and it's picked up. Maybe the individual wasn't in the know, and once you train and educate, they are now uh educated towards that and so typically when we know better we do better
0: exactly uh
1: but oftentimes you see it behavioral where they know better but may uh, choose to make a a different decision and that can get a uh, facility into a into a really gray area where you're having uh, increased um, healthcare care associated infection rates, uh, you may have what looks like cross contamination, mm-hmm. uh, but through a very good surveillance program, oftentimes you're able to pick up on that. It might be a, a group of individuals, it might be a, a specific unit, um, but a lot is to be said about uh, there, there could never be enough um, education towards the appropriate donning and doffing of PPE as well as hand hygiene. Most hospitals keep uh, a surveillance uh, team often referred to as secret shoppers where the intent is not to pick on an individual but just to, to measure right. how well a facility is doing right. with a sp- specific idea or principle mm-hmm. or procedure exactly. and base, uh, base or launch increased educational mm-hmm. efforts Um, but there has to be something to be said about accountability. There has to be accountability on behalf of every staff member. Um, and again, infection control and prevention is not a department. It's not an individual. It is actually in everyone's right exactly. to be partaking or participating in infection prevention. And we're all infection preventionists in our own right. Exactly. I. I it's all part of the patient safety <laughs> agenda.
0: <laughs> right. Because you know what? Once again, you don't want to be arguing with a nurse and trying to make sure, or even a doctor in that case. Because that's another thing too, I've, I've witnessed doctors would go into an isolated room and would not follow, um, you know, the correct procedure. You know, by putting on PPE and that sort of thing, and and I think that just like nurses, you know, we really need to also make sure that doctors swear aware of the importance
1: of that. It is, and, and I heard yeah. you use the word argue, and oftentimes it can turn into something like that. <laughs> A bloody even, match. <laughs> even with the best intention, yeah. and even with the best rationales provided. We do try to uh, impress upon nursing, um, you know how how would it how would you feel if you knowingly exactly. uh, caused exactly. an infection in, you exactly. know in a patient or even a coworker? Um, and no one enters into healthcare with the intent of making um, a patient sicker. Mm-hmm. But because these are the no noceums, sometimes in the busy world that we work in in right. healthcare and how how uh, how much uh, it's grown. Uh, in terms of the day-to-day life of a of a floor nurse, um, we we're human, and to errors right. be human, and uh, but but that's okay. It's once you realize you've made that mistake and correcting that mistake, you're saving a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that they say that eighty percent of infections are carried into uh, patients on the hands of healthcare workers, yep. which also t- dictates and tells us that. Uh, that 80% of them, up to 85% of them, are avoidable. Yes. And if we know, know that, and we understand that, and we share that regularly, routine, and hold each other accountable, hold each other up, uh, and share these principles, uh, I think a lot more lives can be saved, it certainly does um, uh, decrease the, the amount of pathogens that live in a particular facility or in a particular patient's room. Um, we can really make some real strides towards decreasing the number of multi-drug resistance that we are seeing in this day and age. Okay, Um, so Lisa, before I talk about another issue with you,
0: um, it's not really an issue, but um, I know that you are, and I don't remember you mentioned it during your introduction, you are uh, a PIC nurse and you're pretty much head of a pick program at one particular hospital, yes. So, but before I we talk more about that, I just want to see if there's any other sort of um, solutions or incentives or something where the nurses can once again uh, continue to practice and follow, uh, you know, Infection Control, um, you know, a game. I, I remember one time uh, at a skills fair, you had a particular game that I thought was awesome. And it kind of, remem- you know, where it just was a lot of fun for you to remember what to do when it comes to yes, practicing. Yes, it, it was at the Infection yeah.
1: Control Jeopardy.
0: Yes, and I thought that that was wonderful. Yes,
1: it, it is fantastic. We try to make it fun. Uh, you know, we set up a, a, a little booth for infection control Jeopardy. We had little buzzers, uh, you know, and two, two team, uh, two staff members competing towards right. each other. That was great. Um, to, you know, answer a particular question. And we didn't make the questions so difficult. It's just the general principles that mm-hmm. we teach uh, on the daily, on the day to day, and at um, orientation as well as annual orientation. Mm-hmm. So we kept it really simple. We also had. Um, A um, jar of germs where we had an opportunity, you know, to put we had put jelly beans and things, (laughs) and I think hot tamales to represent the gram negative rods, and just ask people how many bugs that they thought were in the jar. But we had an opportunity to kind of list out what a gram positive is and what a gram negative, uh, uh, some of the bacteria, so that they can familiarize themselves with names. We had a word search. Uh, that was measured nice. yeah control yes, related yes. Uh, we had the um, the uh, the dirty what we call the dirty dozen it was a, <laughs> a borrowed concept from another uh, facility where we there was a mock room and there were right. 12 infection control breaches in it they really enjoyed that it was a real competitive spirit uh, we held a drawing and we gave prizes mm-hmm. away and a little competitive edge but really just bringing to the forefront those very basic principles yes. Um that uh, that we all need to remind ourselves and be good stewards and remind each other every day. Yeah, making it fun. That's that's also good. Just making it fun. Um, so pick onto vascular access. Ah, uh, yes.
0: There we go. I mean, um, you know, um, I I'm gonna be honest with you. At what point? Uh, I did want to be a pick.
1: Oh, that'd be fantastic.
0: At one point, at there. one point, I wanted to be a pick nurse, but when I started thinking about um, the whole procedure, it's invasive, yeah, very and that scared me away. And I, and it's interesting because I'm the type of person I'm very adventurous. I do love I love my feel uh, tremendously and, and want to learn as much as possible. But once again, it it scared me away. And then I was like, oh, it's probably just not for me. But for any nurse, especially new nurses who may want to uh, be able to try it, I think it's just something really to look into um, because I think it's pretty cool. I
1: really do. So why don't you shed some light on that? Well, I'd have to agree with you, PJ. It is very cool. Um, it is um, in all the jobs that I've had over the 32 years of uh, nursing life, this is by far my favorite Mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. Um, I did um, create and build from the ground up a vascular access team here at this facility. Uh Um, I'll just share with you some of the criteria and I would highly encourage anyone who is very interested in vascular access to go ahead and push forward and um, attempt to join a team within your own facility. It is very rewarding. It is uh, uh, a challenging work, for for to say the least. It is considered an advanced mm-hmm. practice skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, some of the criteria that I have put into place here at this facility is you need to be a nurse for at least two years. This, gives you an opportunity right. to really master and hone those nursing skills uh, and have exemplary bedside uh, skills mm-hmm. uh, through you know continued uh, assessments over a sustained period of, 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 of about two years. Right. Uh, for my facility of course I'd like to have someone who has a lot of availability outside of their normal work hours. Um, right. We do not have a dedicated pick team in that there are individuals that come day in and day out just to do picks. Mm-hmm. We uh, invite invite in registered nurses and respiratory therapists to do this over and beyond their normal work hours. Uh, we don't specify you have to come in at a time of right, 2 a.m., right. just that we are placing those pick lines within 24 hours. Pick lines, in general, are not considered emergent because, okay. of the, because it takes about an hour and 15 minutes to sometimes nearly up to two hours from right. start to completion, including all the documentation and charges right. um, and getting your x-ray. So it's not really considered emergent, although there are times that you can see a patient spiraling down and you can um, uh, proactively plan to insert a central line, uh, particularly if you are thinking your patient may be crashing right. uh, sometime in the very near future. It's always uh, much easier to get a line in ahead of the time before a patient right. crashes where you you uh, you know blood is being shunted and the veins are um, are really uh, clamped down right. Um, so so it would be important that when you're thinking about becoming a vascular access team about your availability right. outside of your normal work hours, right. either after your shift or on mm-hmm. a weekend or so on and so forth. Additionally, I would like to have somebody who has a, a sort of a clean uh, record, someone who doesn't have a lot of write-ups and, uh, and really has exemplified nursing in general. Right. Um, I like to consider them, and I do consider my team as an A team. Um, I have the best of the best (laughs) and uh, it's real important because you are dealing with uh, medications, you're dealing with a vascular access, you're uh, inserting a line that, that comes very 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 close to the right, heart without right. entering the heart exactly. uh, you're dealing with needles scalpels guide wires aseptic technique almost uh, like a little mini or if you will right yeah. at the bedside yeah. uh, with uh, full uh, full drape and sterile barriers and uh, so on and so forth so you want to have someone who's, who feels very confident and comfortable with their nursing ability and skills before you would enter into something like this. But it is very rewarding when you know that you're providing an access to a patient that otherwise uh, is being stuck every day to every other day or is has very difficult veins. Mm-hmm. And I just read an article that uh, was just discussing uh, peripherally inserted ultrasound-guided uh, perif- peripheral um, IVs mm-hmm. uh, because they and they quoted that um, approximately 50 percent of the per- patients in a hospital have difficult IV access so that's a huge number yeah. and it really it breaks the light that you need to start looking yeah. at these other um, central lines and um, and other vascular access means does the nurse need to have some sort of certification? Yes, they do. Uh, most PIC teams have a pretty comprehensive program. Uh, here we have, a, we ask that we go into a didactic and, and theory, which is about five hours long. It does render quite a number of CEUs, I want to say some upwards of six to eight mm-hmm. uh, CEUs, in addition to a, a preceptorship, which typically lasts about six to eight weeks long, oh, okay. with okay. the intention of um, making a few observations at the bedside with your inserter. Uh, moving to a uh, a collaborative hands-on, and then we like to see the the preceptee taking more charge of the sterile field and doing more of the insertion with less and less coaching by the preceptor, and ultimately culminating in the preceptor sitting at the bedside okay. and uh, finishing a full uh, okay. start-to-finish insertion practice before they would be let loose on their own. Okay. Uh, it takes about an another year for a pick nurse to get through. Uh, the understanding, the ins and outs, everything that, you could, that could possibly happen at the bedside, the things that go wrong, if you will, uh, and knowing that you have somebody just a phone call away or just uh, pressing a call light and having somebody uh, at your disposal to come and help you troubleshoot. Uh, just to share a funny story, <laughs> um, I had excellent um, training um, at a, another local area, acute mm-hmm. care hospital, and nothing went wrong.
0: During wow. my
1: uh, seven-week orientation, not one thing that right could have good. gone wrong went wrong. Which uh-huh. uh, some people might say, "Well, that's fantastic." Yeah, but or lucky. <laughs> when you're inserting, that isn't so fantastic because over the course of your um, <coughs> career, things mm-hmm. are going to happen. Right. And unfortunately, I didn't see any of those bad things that I could, you know, <laughs> right. visually see and troubleshoot and remember and re- you know recall right. upon uh, during uh, during my. Career, but luckily I had someone just a um, phone call away or a call button away that would come and assist me, so that was also reassuring. Excuse me, I might have a cough. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Drink of water, yeah, there you go. No,
0: that's okay, there you go. Okay, well, Lisa, it has been a pleasure. Um, I've always admired you as a nurse, likewise working on the floor. I learned how to insert a Huber needle, I believe, uh, from you. <laughs> um, and you're just such an excellent teacher
1: and leader. Likewise, PJ. <laughs> and I just, on a side note, want to say that if you want to pursue that PICC line insertion, uh, don't hesitate because you are an exemplary nurse, I encourage you. It's not as scary and hard. Oh, uh, I've been known with, and I've precepted many, many people. The key to success is to relax into your own body. <clears throat> Sometimes we get nervous because something's not going right, and we, uh, you know, push those shoulders up. Uh, you know, my team. Often talks about relaxation, uh, ha- having a body carriage that um, that yep. promotes relaxation, breathing techniques, and if need be, I would disrobe and maybe even give a, a shoulder robe and a timeout for a moment so that we can get back to the business at hand. Well, if you do all of that, I may take you up <laughs> well, on that. <laughs> okay. Well, unless you have anything
0: else that you want to share um, to our listeners here, I um, I definitely will love to have you back and uh, could talk about some other exciting things, but I really enjoyed having you on the show.
1: Well, I enjoyed being here, and thank you for having me. This uh, discussion about infection control, while it wasn't initially my my uh, passion, it has, uh, over the course of the past five years, become a passion of mine,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and particularly in the world where we're living in a world that is emerging with these um, right. These radical and novel pathogens that mm-hmm. uh, you know have the ability to express resistance across genus and species. Uh, this is an area of, of opportunity in our future for our future nurses. Uh, if you if you have an expressed desire to 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 dive into epidemiology <clears throat> and infection prevention, the opportunities in our future are going to be many.
0: Right. In other words, to our future, you know, nurses, new grads, student nurses, just remember, and also to our existing nurses who's been in the field for quite some time, just to leave this note, please wash your damn hands. Wash in, wash out. Wash in, wash out. After (laughs) every patient encounter. Exactly. Until next time, listeners, thank you so much. Um, You guys have a wonderful evening, and I will talk to you soon.